Hey guys, welcome to the Robnet Real Estate Rundown. <clears throat> so today, we got some great stuff to talk about. One of the things that I want to talk about, uh, just kind of as a building block, is different types of assets. We all hear about the asset class. We've got, you know, you've got physical assets, uh, gold, silver, um, you know, certain vehicles can be an asset, collector cars, things like that. Um, you've got uh, buildings, you've got property, you've got bare land, uh, you've got mineral rights that are an asset. Um, you've got uh, notes, those are getting into paper assets. Notes, stocks, bonds, uh, CDs, um, things like that. Um, so we've got a bunch of different asset classes and I just want to take some time to kind of figure out what the difference is, right? I mean, paper money, right? I mean, that is an asset class. That is a a legal tender, uh, whether it's you know the, the yen, the euro, uh, the American dollar, uh, whatever whatever it is, it's it's still an asset, right? Because it it's it has value. But why why is real estate considered the most valuable? asset class or the most desirable asset class and not that you don't want the others obviously you need uh, you need cash right or an, some some sort of form to negotiate that original contract with to buy so there's there's reasons why each one works but let's talk about the physical limitations of them right so let's talk about let's talk about paper assets right so there's stocks and bonds and, you know, anymore, you, you used to get a certificate that this was your stock certificate. Now it's just an electronic thing that TD Ameritrade holds for you or, or, or you know, any of these other uh, trade desks hold for you that are in your mortgage account that you never really have an actual share. You don't have, you've got, you've got electronic, right? So let, let's talk about some of the problems. Let's talk about some of the pros and cons with that, right? So typically stocks are fairly liquid right because you can place a trade you can do an after hours trade you can hit a you can do a limit you can do you know you, you can do a lot of things where you can get that converted back to cash at Scotts trade or TD Ameritrade uh, and then have that cash sent to your bank account so you can within 24 48 hours sell a stock and get get cash right so it's fairly liquid but you have little or no control over what makes it valuable and you have little or no control over the parent company and sometimes as people found out uh, in in the mark the market meltdown of 08 and 09 sometimes there was no liquidity in it because nobody wanted something that was falling through the floor right and so so it has its its deals there. Uh, it it's also does not allow for much leverage, right? So so if you're an active trader, I think you can get a twenty percent margin account, maybe a twenty five percent margin account. But there comes a point when you are into a hundred dollars worth of stock for a hundred dollars. So you don't get much leverage with that. So maybe you're buying $120 worth of stock with a $100 
uh, bill and a leverage account. So there's not a lot there. There there are some tax benefits, right? You can that that stock can go up, it can go down, it can go sideways, and it's not taxed until you sell it, right? There's also stocks that pay dividends. Idaho Power is a local one around here. Uh, PG&E used to. <laughs> I don't know if they do now. Uh, Kennedy Wilson is a REIT that pays a dividend. That dividend isn't taxed as ordinary income. It's a dividend, so that tax rate is less. So there's a benefit to that, right? So we have uh, established kind of some of the pros and cons about stocks. Now you get into physical assets like maybe gold, silver, precious metals, coins, maybe uh, maybe you've got some jewelry, you know, things like that. There's no leverage on that, right? That is a physical asset that you're buying and you're holding. And typically that's an asset that people like to have in their, I don't know, the world went to hell basket, right? So if everything goes south, you've got that to hang on to. Um, it, it gives you um, leverage isn't what it gives you. It gives you a hedge against fear. So what you can do is you can look at it and you can look back into 08, 09, 10 and you can see that as the economy in the mortgage market was going through its meltdown, gold and silver were going through the roof, right? Because people were afraid the economy was going to go continue to go downhill. The dollar was going to become worthless and the world economy was going to melt down and they were going to need something to buy a loaf of bread with, right? So that is that is what physical assets are with that. Um, now let's talk about real estate, right? Let's talk about what you can and can't do with real estate. Why, why do people call real estate the best vehicle to get rich with? Why do they say that? Well, first of all, if you're buying your first home, through an FHA, Federal Housing Authority, uh, loan, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you can get into those for 3% down. Okay, So that means if you're going to buy a $100,000 house, because I like easy math, you're going to have to come up with $3,000. They will loan you the rest if you have a good credit score. right? They're going to loan you the rest, and they're going to lock that leverage in for 30 years, if you'd like that's going to allow them to be your partner and you only have to bring 3% of the value to the deal. Okay. Now, I do a lot of stuff and nobody lets me do a deal with 3% down. Nobody. Nobody lets me be the principal. No, nobody lets me decide what color we're going to paint it. Nobody lets me decide if we're going to plant trees in the yard or if we're going to redo the roof. Nobody lets me decide any of those things for 3% down. But if you're buying your first home, they're going to let you. If you get a conventional loan, they'll start at about 10% down. Again, I'm into a deal more than that. When I'm doing my multifamily stuff, when I'm doing my industrial stuff, it's 20% with the bank, right? So when you really look at the leverage capability that you have, you have an incredible leverage, right? Then you get into the tax code, right? The IRS says that your house as long as it's a rental property, is only going to last 31 and a half years, right? So when you go talk to your accountant, you say, I just bought this $100,000 rental house. The accountant says, oh, that's fantastic. Did you get a mortgage on it? Yes. Okay, well, we can deduct the interest. 
That doesn't mean that you paid $100 in interest and you get $100 back from the government. What that means is that if you're in the 20% tax bracket, you paid $100 in interest to control your leveraged asset that somebody else is paying the mortgage on, and the government says, we are going to allow you to take that against your ordinary income. So you made $100 at your W-2 job, and you've got $100 in mortgage uh, interest that you're going to take against that. That means that you're not going to pay that 20% tax. So it's going to be a $20 value to you. Okay, So you're going to, you're going to be able to, to take that mortgage interest, and you're going to be able to use that to get a refund on your taxes or pay less in taxes, right? Then depreciation, like I was talking about with depreciation. You're going to take that depreciation, you're going to take the value of that house, and you're going to divide that by 31 and a half years. I believe that's correct. Um, so if I take $100,000, I'm running a calculator here and talking, so this is really a challenge for me, and I divide that by 31.5, I'm going to take 31 hundred and seventy five dollars off of my earned income every year so if I make a hundred thousand dollars at my job I'm gonna take thirty one hundred dollars off of that and as far as Uncle Sam knows I lost thirty one hundred dollars in value in that house because it became worth less and so I'm going to take that and I'm going to subtract that off of there and I'm now gonna have a, uh, a ninety six hundred and change ninety six hundred and a $96,900 tax bill because I depreciated that house, right? So I've taken the mortgage interest. I've taken that off of there. I've taken the depreciation. I've taken that off of there. Uh, I've taken the... Um, I still have 100% control, and I'm still massively leveraged, right? Then as that asset grows... I'm going to say that in a normal market, 3 to 5% is going to be normal growth in a market. So my $100,000 house is going to be worth $105,000, but the IRS doesn't see it that way until later, until I go to sell it, right? The other thing that I'm going to be able to do specifically with, um, with a real estate asset is I'm going to be able to take the income I get, and I'm not going to have to take that income as regular income. I'm going to take that as a dividend or a passive rental income. And so instead of getting taxed at the higher rate, I'm going to get that at about 18% for the feds. So I'm going to get that brought to my door for less. So I'm getting money for less and I'm getting tax benefits that associate with the interest and I'm getting tax benefits that associate with the uh, loss of value that they see in it and if you go in and do uh, do segregation of costs as far as how things happen you can even take that to a whole nother level and there's people out there that specialize in that I don't but if you take those things you have now controlled an asset for three percent down you've had someone uh, come in and rent that from you and not pay you as your ordinary income they've paid you as a passive income so that's been taxed less meanwhile you're getting all these deductions from that and if and when you go to sell that house you have the ability to roll that real estate into another piece of real estate without paying taxes what yeah without paying capital gains tax on that but 
Let's just say that you decide you don't want to play that 1031 game, and that's 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 because it's IRS code 1031. But let's just say you don't. If you go make ten thousand dollars in your regular job, you're going to be in the 25, 27, 28, 30 percent tax bracket. It's going to be a higher tax bracket than most of your other incomes. It's higher than your passive income, and let's face it, most people are in that 30 percent right? 35% tax bracket. When you take and you make money in real estate, you don't pay that as ordinary income. You've If you've owned a house for 366 days in its current capacity, making you rents, you have the ability to pay what's called capital gains tax. Capital gains tax is a completely different bracket, and that puts you at about 28%, which if you're at the 34% tax bracket, that's a deal. But you've also been able to depreciate out the value. So if you bought it for 100000 and over the years you've depreciated out 50000 they're going to recapture that on you, right? So you're going to have to pay some of that back at some point. So there comes a point when it becomes very beneficial to 1031 into another property so that you don't have to pay those taxes. Now, how would you like to do that? How would you like to make $20,000 on a property when you sell it and not have to pay taxes on that by identifying and buying another property. It's an amazing thing, right? So when you look at the benefits, the benefits on real estate versus any other kind of asset, I'm not kidding you. The stock market has done a great job over the last couple of years, right? Everybody knows that the market has gone up five times but you can't leverage that so your $100 is only $500 you put in 10 grand you got 50 that's fantastic those are really great gains those are phenomenal congratulations but the reality is if you look at what you can do with real estate your $10,000 leverages into $250,000 going up at 5% a year you're just about the same spot. Plus, somebody has rented this from you. The IRS has let you depreciate it. I mean, the difference between the asset classes is huge, right? And this is where people fail to understand the real value of real estate. So when you're starting out in real estate, you're looking at it going, well, I'm going to rent this. I'm going to buy this house, and my payment on this house is $1,000. I'm going to rent it to Johnny, and Johnny's going to pay me $1,100. And my cash flow on this house is 100 bucks, And that's true. Your cash on cash is your, your monthly return is $100 after bills are paid. But what about all the other incentives with the depreciation, everything like that? When you really look at that, it boosts your gain substantially. It really, really does. And it minimizes your taxes on the other side. So when you're really looking at what to do and how to do it, real estate is the best vehicle. Besides, if you buy a stock, you buy a stock and you wait for the stock to go up. And in the meantime, nobody's renting that stock from you right? If you buy a house and you rent the house, you're waiting for the house to appreciate, but somebody is renting that house from you and making the payment for you while you wait for it to go up. 
What a fantastic thing. So now you've used leverage to control an asset that somebody else is paying for while you take the depreciation and the appreciation on it. Man, that sounds like a fabulous thing to me. So those are just the very basics as far as what is involved in real estate, why people are so hung up on and think real estate is so great and it's such an amazing thing because that is the ability that you have in real estate, right? So these are just the basics. We're laying some groundwork here. We don't want anybody to get lost. We don't want anybody to think that real estate is difficult. There's questions that you all have. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, get me on LinkedIn. Send me your Facebook questions or your, your questions on Facebook. I guess that would make them Facebook questions. But send me your questions. Send me, ask me, what does cash on cash mean? I can explain that to you. We'll get some slides up here later on. We'll do some things like that that will explain that better. Uh, we'll explain all the technical terms as we go along, but we just want to lay that base. So you know that you can ask those questions here. You can be heard here. You can get the kind of advice and practical application knowledge here that we all learned the same way you did. Hard knocks, coming up in the streets. I don't have an MBA in finance. That's probably what saved my bacon more often than not. But I want to thank you for spending some time with me here at the Real Estate Rubdown with Shannon Robnett. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that happy stuff. Send me an email. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks again.